0: Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. The of the James and John, the apostle, the writer of Revelation, for 2nd, and 3rd John, beloved apostle, shares in the Gospel of John seven different signs so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the purpose of the Gospel of John. He says that at the very end of his Gospel. And so we went through the signs, just to catch you up if you haven't been with us. The first sign was water into wine. The second sign was, anybody remember? The official son that was dying, and Jesus healed remotely. The third sign was last week. Do you remember what that was? Lame man by the pool of Bethsaida, the house of mercy, been there 38 years an invalid. And this week we're going to look at a sign that we looked at a few weeks ago in the series I'm In, remember? And the sermon I'm Invested, we talked about the feeding of 5,000. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever been hungry? Okay, how hungry have you been is my question. Did you know that there are seven different ways to be hungry? Maybe that's why we have trouble with our weight and eating. Let me tell you the seven different ways, and you'll probably be hungry. (laughs) First way is with our nose. When we smell something that smells good, like chocolate chip cookies or an apple pie baking, doesn't that make you hungry? Or your mouth. When your mouth chews food, that's kind of a pleasant process. So we can be hungry by our mouth. We can be hungry through our mind, because if we know, I know I have someone in close to me that's very all about the nutrition and what we should be eating. And guess what? If you know all about that, guess what you do? You eat more. You can be hungry from a cellular way. When you get really thirsty and you're dehydrated, or you haven't ate for days, you can get hungry in a cellular way you can be hungry from your stomach. When I was a little kid in church at the late service, my stomach would growl, and the whole aisle would know that I was hungry. They would even look at me, feed the kid. We have a brand-new grandson. His name is Michael Cohen. I got to feed him this week. And he is irritable when he doesn't get his food. He'd prefer you, you stick a bottle in his mouth before you change his diaper because he gets hangry. At three weeks old. What a pleasant experience. We get hungry in all different kinds of ways. Have you ever said, I'm starving? Were you really? Or I'm a little hungry. Or maybe you've ate a big meal somewhere and you've just stuffed yourself. But then you see the dessert. Maybe I just have a little bit more room to eat. But, but I can remember a time when I was a young, poor college student, and I was really hungry. I, I, did you hear that awe? I get such sympathy around this congregation. This is amazing. It's amazing. I, was, I, I hadn't eaten in four, three or four days, and this is pr- pr- proudful. I, my car broke down. I had this old, this is back in the old days. I had a Ford LTD. I don't, I I can't even remember. It's a, it was a big boat. I bought it for $225. I had bartered with a guy. It was a $500 car. I, I bartered with him for $225. An ex convict helped me barter and the ex convict was mad because I, I lowballed him and I actually got it. But he told me that the transmission fluid stick that was where you check the oil and where you check the oil was the transmission. And guess what? I blew the engine. So I had, I heard another oh. aw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I ended up selling that car for $100. I took this $100 that I had and I bought a station wagon for $100, a country squire Ford station wagon with a leaky transmission. And I learned a trick from the mechanic that sold it to me. Pour a little styrofoam cup of brake fluid into it, and it will seal the seals in the transmission for a while. And for, for years, I drove that Ford wagon until it died. It was, it was a beast. But anyway, during that process, I was too proud to call home, and so I went days without eating. I had no money. That was my only $100. I was looking for a job, couldn't find it, had a weekend ministry, was trying to stay there. So I went home defeated. I even had to borrow money for gas to get home in a Ford LTD wagon. So I've been hungry like that. Now, when we look at John chapter 6, these people are hungry. They had been listening to Jesus for a long period of time. If you remember with me, I said then the day wore on. The, you know, sometimes when I preach long, which I don't preach long very often, I can see that I'm wearing on with you. You're getting tired. These people, he preached for days. Jesus did. Hours. Can you imagine a preacher going that long? This is Jesus. And they were hungry. And, and, and the Lord said to his apostles, he said, you know, what do we have that we can give the, these people to eat? And, 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 and Philip said, hey, if we had 200 days worth of money, money 200 denarii, we couldn't feed them just a little bit. And then Andrew rolls up and he says, hey, I found this little kid. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. And a barley loaf would have been about like that big. So that's nothing. But Jesus gave thanks, and he said, distribute it. Have them sit in groups, and he distributed it. And lo and behold, everyone ate until they were satisfied, all they wanted. And then they brought back 12 doggy bags. Remember? 12 baskets. Now, that was the miracle. It was amazing. It's recorded in every gospel, all four gospels, four times the gospel writers wrote about this miracle so impactful but then this is what happens verse 14 of John chapter 6 he says when the people saw that the sign that he saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world notice prophet is capitalized the messiah has come they recognized him but then notice what jesus does. perceiving Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Jesus, at this point, perceived that that they were going to make this a political thing, a power thing. And that wasn't what Jesus was about. And so Jesus withdrew. It wasn't a physical kingdom that he was looking for. It was a spiritual kingdom of hearts and minds to glorify God. But why did they seek Jesus? Why did the crowd seek Jesus? Jesus knew. Look in verses 26 and 27 of John chapter 6. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. That was what John's recording signs that you might believe. But because you ate your fill." of the loaves because it was really really good bread jesus made really really good wine the best ever made and really good really good bread better than yours bread the best of all creation you eat his bread you would never eat any other bread because his was the very very best because god doesn't do anything second class always first class john 6:26 to 27 he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Again, what kind of bread do you like? Temporary, physical, or eternal and spiritual? And then John, in John six twenty eight, they said to him, what must we do? to be doing the works of God. What, what, what is God's will? What is God's will? We, we hear that all the time. I just want to do God's will. If I had a nickel for every time or a dollar for every time, I'd be a rich man. That This was asked. What is God's will? And notice what Jesus says in, in verse 29. He says, Jesus answered him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Just believe in me. Have faith because of me. And and that's why John wrote the Gospel of John. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And all I want to ask at that moment is, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What sign do you need? I mean, I just fed 5,000 with Five barley loaves and two fish. What kind of sign do you need? How many miracles do I have to do for you to believe? That's what I would have said if I were Jesus. But he answers, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Do you remember the story about manna that the Israelites got out of Egypt and they needed food. They needed sustenance, and God gave them manna. It was like coriander seed. It was a little white puff. They'd gather it in one omer a day. Remember the story? It was true. He, he, you could knead it. You could bake it. You could boil it. You could eat it raw, however you wanted to. And then they complained about it, didn't they? God provided that through Moses. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we accept spiritual food that will never spoil and eternal life that will never cease. Now, now the spiritual food that would never fail was unlike the manna. If you remember, they were only to collect so much and don't let it keep over a day, except for on the the day before the Sabbath, so they didn't have to collect the, the manna on that day. Do you remember that? and if, if if they had any leftover, it would rot and it would draw worms. I mean, that's what the Bible says. But, but, but that was from God, and it was physical food that would not last. They would get hungry again. But this spiritual food, the spiritual food, was going to last forever. Our hunger would be eternally satisfied. Notice what Jesus says following this. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. I mean, this is like when, when Jesus says truly, truly, or maybe in the King James Version that you're using "Verily, verily," This is like, I'm telling you the truth. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread. Now, a lot of us are kind of controllers. And this coronavirus has kind of just kind of blown your mind. I mean, it's like, don't touch me. Don't, I mean, I mean, pray for the Greg family. We're down to six rolls of toilet paper. It's a crisis. It's, it might make the national news. I mean, it's scary out there. I mean, really? No. Next week, I'm preaching a sermon on faith, being faithful or fearful. And we're going to look at a miracle within this miracle that Jesus does. And John just takes a different perspective than what we're used to. And I'm I'm really excited about looking at that. But folks, you know, there there have been viruses before. We've lived through viruses. God is in control. He is faithful. We're going to practice safe hygiene, and we're going to do our very best. But God's in control. Just don't forget that. He is sovereign over all. These signs are meant for us to realize that He is still the God in 2020 that he was in in, in 33 or 85 A.D. I mean, he he is still still present. Let's look at John 6.32. So this is how Jesus continues on. This is red letters. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus is saying, this is who I am. Believe in me. And, and, what do they say? We want that bread. That bread is still available to us. That, that's what we need to remember. Bread was a staple. They had to have it. It was a part of their daily lives. They didn't bake a whole lot because it would only last so long. There was no refrigeration. There was not a long shelf life. They were asking for their bread. Daily. And and Jesus is saying, I am your staple. I am your consistency. I am your security. No matter what. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now he's talking spiritually here. And, And this is one of the first I am statements in John. This is the first I am statement in John. There are seven of those in the Gospel of John. The I am's of who Jesus is. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to know that. And look in verse 40, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Folks, hope is so important. I was talking to somebody. And they have a lot of exposure to a lot of senior pastors. And I'm not bragging. I'm not I'm not a great guy or whatever. But I love to laugh. I love to have joy. I, I will cut up. I was talking. I won't tell you who this was. I was talking to somebody the other day. And this whole coronavirus had blown up. And they were telling me that they had learned on the Internet that if you hold your breath for 10 seconds and do not cough, Let's try that. Everybody hold your breath for 10 seconds. Try not to cough. All right, ready? Okay, they said, you don't have the coronavirus (laughs) in. They were serious. They were serious. So I laughed. I laughed. I wasn't very respectful. I wasn't very respectful. I laughed, and I said, you need to call the Surgeon General of the United States and let him know. We can say billions of dollars, tax dollars. Then I won't go on to what I made up and said to them about <laughs> the coronavirus. <laughs> that was so ornery. Please I just I laughed and we I got them giggling and they they realized how how silly that was. But God's on his throne, isn't he? Amen. So so here's here here, you know, you just fed them. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Here, here's the Son of God. They saw a huge miracle. Unbelievable, incredible miracle. And they grumble because He tells the truth. You know, folks, when you live in Christ and you take a stand, you make a decision, people are going to grumble. No, no matter who you are, whether you're the Son of God Or not, And then they said, don't we know you? Aren't you Mary's son, Joseph's son? Aren't you from Nazareth? I I mean, we know you. We know you're not who you say or pretending to say you are. Well, they just said that because you delivered the food, he was a prophet. Now they're questioning who he is. And then Jesus responds again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Folks, it's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. We need that spiritual bread. We need that in our lives for life, for hope, for joy, for fulfillment, for for, for satisfaction because he alone can deliver that. And Jesus says again, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's talking about his sacrifice, his propitiation, his life for our life, his blood to cover our sin to realize that those who feed on Christ will live forever. We have a hope beyond this world that goes beyond the grave. Don't you ever forget that. So they asked this question, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, these Jews, when they were listening to this, they were thinking of cannibalism. They were taking this in a literal, physical form. And I, and I can get that, can't you? But we just partook of Jesus' flesh and his blood at communion. Phyllis Herb called me on Friday night. She said, Chris, I heard, I don't know how she heard, she's retired down in Naples in Florida. She called me late on Friday night. I'm I'm on the way home from Menards, my favorite place to shop. And I said, Phyllis, how you doing? What's going on? She said, oh, I heard. (laughs) How did she hear all the way down in Florida that we're doing something different for communion this Sunday because of the coronavirus? I said, you know, I've been off this last week a little bit, Phyllis. I don't know what's going on. Let me make a few phone calls. I'll call you back. And so so I find out what we're doing that somebody wanted to get those, you know, pop-a-top communion things but we couldn't get them fast enough for the Sunday. And so I call Phyllis back and I said I don't know, Phyllis, what we're going to do because we're we're not doing anything special. She said, "Well, wait a minute, Chris. So what if we take half of the cups and we fill them with grape juice and the other half we'll put bread in and we'll do it sanitarily. they wash their hands or put, put you know, plastic gloves or whatever. I said, Phyllis, you are a freaking Einstein. That is the smartest thing. You are a genius. I, I, that's what I told I, I, I mean, I was like, You're, that is crazy. Wow, thanks for thinking out of the box. And so today, we've got that going on. Next week, we're going to stack them. Somebody else came up with an idea. We'll put the bread, then we'll put the juice, and then, you know, you only have to pick up one thing at a time. Isn't that awesome? I said, thank you for suggesting that, Phil. So it'll just give a lot of people peace of mind as they partake of communion. Isn't that crazy? You know, you guys are here and, and we got some folks with us online with our online family. And however you're dealing with the virus, if you're if you're, you know, wash your hands, do all the hygienic things, but realize God's in control, have a peace about you because that life that we receive through his life in the process of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, not cannibals, just celebrating spiritually what he's done for us, makes all the difference in the world, especially in times like these. Now notice what what these Jews said, and I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. This was a Jewish audience, and I just want to remind you of that. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Who can listen to it? You see, the crowds loved Jesus for what they could get out of him. Preferably another free lunch. Who wouldn't want that with food insecurity? But when he spoke again of the Father, they seemed ready to respond, but rejected him more vehemently. And it had to break his heart. They just weren't getting it. You see, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. And what's the point of the gospel, John? To believe. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Are you leaving me too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it in that moment. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. He's saying, you are the Christos. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the prophet. You are the Son of God. You see, like the words of of Jesus, the words of Scripture are life because they point to the source of eternal life, the death of Christ. But not only his death, but his resurrection. So I've got... If you hang with me just a little bit, I've got a few observations and some applications for you to make with this passage that I think are very, very important. First of all, Jesus is sufficient. He's not just the satisfier. You see, the crowd was satisfied with the food. All they could eat until they wanted no more. But, but they would get hungry again. But when we have Jesus, we have all that we need forever. He is sufficient. For every situation, every crisis. Second, even when our faith is weak, God wants to work in and through us. No matter where you are in your faith journey or whether you rise and fall and are inconsistent, you know, He is always with us and He wants to work in us and through us wherever we are. And third, Jesus is the only way to the Father and the only source of spiritual food. I mean, you may run out of toilet paper. There may not be enough hand sanitizer. But there will always be the food that we really, really need. Amen. And the applications are this. First, determine to accept and live out of the Father's will for your life. Believe because of the record that we have. Because we believe because of what John saw and gave his life for. And what the o- other apostles and the apostle Paul saw and gave their lives for. So we have a, a, an investigated, researched, backed up faith on fact, not fiction. You don't have to believe just to believe. We believe because of evidence. Number two. Allow God to meet both your physical and spiritual needs through Jesus. Trust him. He is our sufficiency. He is sovereign. He is in control. The words of eternal life. There's no one, nowhere else, that will provide that life that we so desperately, desperately need. Amen? Would you please stand as I, I pray? Eternal God and Father, We are grateful for the work that you do in us. And Father, may we respond by believing in you. That Father, no matter what, no matter when, no matter how hard, that we will put our faith and trust in you. And Father, throughout it all, we know and can count on your love for us. That your grace is sufficient, you are more than a satisfier of our needs, but you are sufficient and sovereign in our lives. Father, I just pray just now for, for our, our folks that are going through difficult times, for the anxiety level that's up because of, of a virus. But Father, help us to have a hope that goes beyond this life and beyond our circumstances, that we will determine by your grace to be faithful to you. And Father, I just pray for those that need to know you, that need to accept you, need to confess your Son as Lord and Savior, for those that need to come back to you, Father, those that have a spirit of fear, to to replace it with the spirit of love and of power and of self-discipline and to know that you are in control when we put our faith and our trust in you and you alone. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.